0: Well, you guys, here we are. Last uh, last session, and um, it's been a good good ride so far. Um, so let's uh, let's pray and see what we can do. Lord God, we thank you for um, uh, again this this opportunity to to come away and and talk about your things, the Holy Spirit, and. Um, uh, thank you for this time to understand the, who he is and, and how he works in our lives better. And we pray that that would just continue tonight and that we'd have a good wrap-up um, and bring things to a good conclusion tonight. Thank you for, for these people that have put, put aside other things to be here for this. And um, we just commit the time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we go. Um, What did you learn about spiritual gifts last time? Anybody could give a, something they learned. Not everyone has the same gifts. Not everyone has the same gifts, yep. What else? Okay, spiritual gift has spiritual outcomes. Yep, okay, what else? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I sort of. Okay. Like uh, hmm So you you got some insight into those things. Yeah. Good, good. All right. What else? What else did you learn? Yes. Yeah equipping. Yeah. They're given to build up the body of Christ and do the do the ministry of the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that Laurie and I. It's not just it's it's both. It's building up the body of Christ and then ministry as the body of Christ. So it's not all focused on the body of Christ like your gift may be to help fathom for example do something here at fathom. Uh, you know, Sunday school or something like that. Um, but some of the gifts are not used here. They're out there. Um, you know, somebody has a gift of, um, of mercy or something like that, which may mean that they do something like foster care. Well, foster care isn't like, it's not building up the body of Christ here, but it's a ministry of Christ to people that need mercy. And so you know, it's 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 not only building up the body, it's ministry of the body being Christ to each other. The way I think of it is the body of Christ is to be Christ to each other, but also out to the world. So some gifts are more focused like this and some gifts are more focused like that. What else? Anything else? Well, um, then we talked about Ephesians four, and uh, somebody mentioned something that we got from there. What did that? That was the passage that talked about the functioning of the body of Christ, how it functions, how it works. Um, what'd you learn about that? You can, you can look look back at your notes or at Ephesians Ephesians four eleven through sixteen. Anything come to mind that was um, that you learned or was helpful? Somebody said the equipping. Uh, I guess it was Joel. The leaders are to equip the body. They're not supposed to just do ministry. They are, but they're supposed to be equipping. Okay? What else? Anything? Okay. Every gift is needed, yes. Yeah, and we don't we don't want to um, we shouldn't Paul says there's two two errors. We can look down on ourselves because we think, well, my gift isn't much compared to the pastor or, you know, some big evangelist that's leading hundred people to Christ every other day, you know. And we say, Well, what am I doing, you know? Um, so we shouldn't look down on ourselves. But those that have a more showy gift should not look down on those who have less showy gifts and think that somehow they're second class or something like that. So he talked about that from both directions. Yeah. Anything else? We, um, good. Sounded like you learned some good stuff. Um, we talked about knowing and using your spiritual gifts, and um, um, we thought about that. Lori and I talked a little bit about that, and it seems like um, f- for some people, it seems like they, they have found and know their spiritual gift very easily. It's just like, well, yeah, I'm a teacher. I know what, that is. I, I know what my spiritual gift is. It's, it's kind of a no-brainer, you know? Whereas other people seem to struggle and and not be able to figure it out, um, and um, I'm, there are, there are probably lots of reasons why that is. Um, it might be that some of the more the gifts that are more like just normal things that Christians do, like showing mercy or something like you know like that would be harder to discern. Now, do I have that gift, or am, you know, am I just doing that? I don't know, you know? Um, it could be re- reticence that, that you have. Like, maybe the gift that God has given you requires that you be in front of people, and you don't like to be in front of people. And so you're thinking to yourself, I don't think I've got that gift, because I don't like to be in front of people. But maybe you do and maybe have to get past that. So maybe there's that that struggle going on in some people um, that keeps them from really being sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is my gift. It could be just spiritual coldness. I think some people, they're just not interested in spiritual stuff, and so they're, they're just really not interested in knowing what their gift is. And um, um yeah. Uh, or maybe just the pressures and pursuits of life were so caught up in those things, they just grip, grip us and grasp us that um, it's hard to have time to even think about it or, or whatever. So th- there, there are various reasons, but I have noticed that, and you, I think you have too. Some people were going like this that, yeah, for some people it seems like they just know their spiritual gift. Oh, yeah, obviously, I, this is my gift. Um, and for other people they might have been Christian for 20 years and are still trying to figure it out. So um, I think if, if you're having trouble figuring out your spiritual gift, you know, we had that, those bullet points. Um, I, I, I don't know what page it is on your handout, but like have them try various works and ministries, ask what do you enjoy, what do you learn quickly, easily, what are you good at that really helps others by their testimony, not yours, you know, those things. Um, I would focus on number one, Bullet point one, four, and six—the um, non-subjective ones—because sometimes I think we we, get, we we have a hard time sorting through our own subjective feelings about our gifts, and we need to rely on what other people might see and and say about us. So, number one is trying various things. Okay, try different things out. Number four, bullet point four is: what are you good at that really helps others? By Their testimony, the people that you're seeking to help. Um, And uh, then number six is, what do mature counselors in the faith say? Um, You know, hey, I've been a Christian for years. I I can't figure out my gift. What do you think it is, John? That's one of the elders in the church. sit down and help you. I think sitting down together and talking about this Maybe even a workshop on this kind of thing would would really help people figure that out. All right, so that was spiritual gifts and the functioning of the body of Christ in that way. Um, I think that's good. Let's let's um, let's move on then. Um, on your on your paper there, there is. Um, There are some statements about the Holy Spirit. And these are all things that we've already studied. The Holy Spirit lives within us from the moment we become Christians. Okay, I think we studied that. The Holy Spirit is God. Yes, we studied that. His purpose is to glorify Christ. Yes, we studied that. His main tool is the word of God. Yes, his main workshop is the church, the body of Christ. Okay, we studied all those things. Now, I think... These things that we've already studied um, should give us insight. If we're thinking about how do I live well with the Holy Spirit, what Paul talks about, walking with or by the Holy Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, I think these five points alone give us some insight. If this is really what the Holy Spirit is like, then if you want to live well, Moving along with the Spirit where He's moving, cooperating with what He's doing. What are some insights that come from these five points? What are some things we should be doing or might be helpful to walk well with the Holy Spirit? Being in the Word. Being in the Word. That's His main tool, yeah. So if you want to walk well with the Holy Spirit, be in the Word, okay? What else? Be in the workshop. All right. There you go. Yeah. If you want to be cooperating with the Spirit, taking full benefit of what the Spirit is wanting to do in your life, be in the Word, be in the workshop. What else? Okay. That's got to be a main purpose in your life. You know, to the degree, I look at it like this. To the degree that that is a main purpose in your life or the main purpose, to that degree, you will be moving in the same direction as the Holy Spirit. To the degree that that's not a very important purpose in your life, um, to that degree, it's going to be hard for you to cooperate and go in the direction that the Holy Spirit is going. In fact, the Holy Spirit might be moving you in a direction and you might be fighting it or you might be resenting it or something like that, okay? Yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? Um, anything else that comes to mind? Well, I think that's good. And, and some of that stuff's gonna come out as we, as we go through these passages now. Um, because the the next heading is the Holy Spirit is our personal trainer or coach. I think I've said that before, but let's just look at these passages. I don't want to spend a lot of time on them, but uh, somebody read John fourteen twenty six. There, You've got, I've got it there on your paper for you. John fourteen twenty, yeah. He's gonna gonna teach us stuff and help us remember stuff. Okay? Um, Second Timothy 3, 16, 17. Somebody read that. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete work and work. Okay, so there's this tool that the Holy Spirit is using, and it's 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 a good thing for teaching, reproof, correction, training um, to bring us to a complete, um, a completeness uh, and equipping us for doing good things, okay? Um, Ephesians 4, 13 and 14, somebody read that. Okay, so here's here's another statement about the work of the Holy Spirit um, um, kind of corresponding to the one just above, moving us on to mature manhood. In fact, this is talking about the work of the Spirit in and through the body of Christ. Um, and working in us to build up our stature until we're strong and full like Christ um, and no longer children, okay? Now, I put all that together in, in other passages, just, this is just an example of some of the passages that we've already studied, that um, it sounds a lot like a personal trainer coach to me, this kind of stuff. Um, sounds like the kind of stuff. Any, anybody ever had a personal tr- trainer or coach? I mean, a lot of us have coaches in, you know, in sports and everything. I don't know if anybody of you have ever had a personal trainer like at a gym or something like that. Anybody? Okay. Um, but we all know what a coach does. Okay. Um, how might the presence and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives be like a personal trainer or coach? There to guide me through emotions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever that might be, if it's rock climbing, for example, you know, or if it's uh, playing soccer, or if it's uh, dance, or maybe it's music or something like that. Yeah. What else? How might the presence and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives be like a personal trainer or coach? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So I would hope, we would hope that the, the a, a trainer would not just say, you you would come in and say, man, I'm tired today. I don't feel like doing those push-ups. Okay, that's fine. Let's go get a pizza. You know, I would hope, <laughs> I'd hope your personal trainer wouldn't say that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, there should be some pushing. And so we, sh- you know, and the Spirit does that. He pushes, and we should feel that if we're, if we're if we're sensitive to the spirit pushing us in directions that are maybe tough, uh to do things that are difficult. Yeah, what else? What else might there be? The Holy Spirit as a personal coach or trainer. Well not just pushing, but correcting a okay. coach or whatever. You know, they they want to show you how to do things right to be more effective too. Which means that they're point out doesn't step wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good example. I mean, yeah, I I took golf lessons when I was a kid and um, um, never could hit the ball straight. But um, um, yeah, I mean, you take a swing and he's watching you the whole time. And he's saying, okay, now you need to bend your knees more. You need to do this. You need to do that. And um, you do it again. And then he says, okay, that's, that was a little better, but now how about this? And so the Holy Spirit, he's doing that in our lives, okay? And he does it by when we're acting. I mean, a, a coach can't do much if, you're, if we're just sitting there, you know? Um, um, we've, we've got to be actually in the gym of life. I mean, we've got to be doing stuff, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Coaching golf, you can't, somebody, it, yeah, I mean, you can become a really good expert. You're sitting in your chair and you're watching a video on how to, how to swing the golf club. And uh, you can talk about it and uh, tell everybody exactly how to do it. But you're not gonna be able to do it well until you take some swings and you get corrected and everything. So, yeah. Um, so what do you need to do? I mean, we could go on on, on that. But the other question is, What do you need to do to get the most out of the coaching of your personal trainer? I mean, you paid a lot of money for this guy, you know? You're paying him $300 an hour, okay? And you want to get the most out of every little thing that that trainer is doing. Not just because of the money, but because, hey, you're paying the money because this is a valuable thing to you. What do you need to do? so that you get the most out of this coaching? Listen. Listen Listen well. Pay attention, okay? Yeah. When those sermons go by, don't be daydreaming. Maybe take some notes or something, you know? What else? Pay attention. Be open to new ideas. Be open to the ideas of your coach. Yeah, yeah. Say, oh, yeah, yeah, right. He says to do this, Nah, that's not going to work. No, you got to trust your coach and and do what he says. Yeah, what else? You've got to show up. Yeah, okay. Yep. What else? What else do you need to do to make the most out of the experience of having a personal coach, personal trainer? You You have to practice. Okay, yep. You have to trust your coach. They're doing what's best for you. You have to trust, even though it seems crazy, you know? Sometimes I use the you know, anybody play football? Um, and uh, um, s- some coaches will put a harness on and, and uh, drag some tires, put some tires, and then have you run, run the field, you know, and you're going, well, that, that's got a lot to do with football. You know, dragging tires down the field, uh, but you gotta trust your coach. That, yeah, that's something that's gonna, that's, that's good that's a good thing to do, even though it seems really crazy to you. So, yeah, sometimes your coach is gonna ask you to do stuff that's nuts, and you gotta, you gotta trust him and say, okay, I'll go for it. What else? <clears throat> Anything else come to mind? Say your coach's counsel, and ask, Okay, yep, yep, ask him a lot of questions. Ask him, go to him all the time. Yeah, that's what he's there for. Okay. So there are a lot of lessons. I mean, you could, we could go on and on thinking about this. And um, um, because of the Holy Spirit, that's what the Holy Spirit... All these things you said about the coach and about our response to the coach are true of the Holy Spirit and our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I'm convinced that if Paul were writing today... It's hard for me to imagine that he wouldn't have, or Jesus, when he was talking about the Holy Spirit, wouldn't have used this analogy of the personal trainer or coach, because that's exactly what he is. And the thing is, he's with us 24 hours a day. This coach is with us 24 hours a day, waking, sleeping, at work, at home, at our leisure times, in our hard times, when we're sick, when we're tired as we get old, when we're young. I mean, he's, he's there the whole time, okay? So he's our personal trainer, 24 hours a day, every minute of every day, which also means that everything that happens to you is being used by that coach for your life, okay? Everything, everything that happens, the Holy Spirit wants to use for his purposes in our life. And so, but we need to respond or it's not going to do any good, okay? So um, if I'm sick and have a headache, the spirit wants to use that. If I've got a migraine or something, he wants to use that very thing. He's there and he can use that. But I've got to, like you guys said, ask him some questions, figure it out, listen to him. Man, what could this be all about? It's kind of like dragging tires down the field. Man, I should have been—I should have been in class or something. I should have been, you know, I was supposed to be in elder meeting or something. And here I'm sitting at home with a migraine. What is that all about, God? Ask Him. Figure it out. You know, um, He's He's working uh, 24 hours a day. Okay, so. That's kind of a long intro to um, Galatians 5, 16 through 26, all right? So we're going to spend some time here. So open up your Bibles to Galatians 5, 16 through 26. And this is a classic passage um, that talks about... um, the works of the flesh, the works of the, or, or human nature, and the fruit of the Spirit. This is where we get that list of the fruits of the Spirit that maybe some of you have memorized, or at least a lot of us have, have at least looked at. Um, it gives us some very practical ways of, 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 well, it's all about how do we live well with the Spirit of God, kind of like what we're talking about. Now, there could be a book written about this. Books, not just one, books written about, and there have been. Um, these, these verses, I think you'll see, give us a good basic outline, okay? Because I think a lot of people aren't really, you know, we talk about the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit in our lives, and we, we hear these phrases, being full of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Um, we really don't know what that means in a very practical way. And th- these verses... Bring it down to a practical thing. So somebody read those. What we want to do is let's let's read the whole thing, 16 through 22. Well, yeah, tw- no, not 26, uh, 22, 20, what do we want to read? 16 through um, 25, okay? Um, let's read that all together as, as one chunk, and then we'll look at it verse by verse, all right? Who wants to... G- jump in and read that, 16 through 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit okay so we've read that through Um, look through there Um, there are some some phrases that Paul uses to talk about our life with and cooperating with the Holy Spirit Um, there's one one of those phrases in verse 16 What, what, what is how does he characterize that our life with the Holy Spirit. Walking. He says walk by the Spirit. Okay, that's one. There's another one in verse 18. What does he say there? Being led by the Spirit. There's another one in verse 25. What's he say there? Live. Live by the Spirit. And then there's another one in that one. Keep in step with the Spirit. So he uses different phrases. They're they're all kind of related. Um, Walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, okay? They're all different ways of saying a similar idea. This is Paul's idea of what it means to live well with the Holy Spirit, okay? Now there's two negative things, he says. In verse 16, what's the negative thing that we're supposed to not do? if we want to live well with the Spirit. Okay, don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, And he talks about what what that means. And then in verse 24, there's another one. Crucify the flesh flesh with its passions and desires. So um, he says, don't gratify them. And he goes even a step further later on and says, kill them. Kill those suckers. You know, get tough on those guys. Don't, don't mess around with those things. Kill them. All right? Treat them like enemies. All right. So that's, that's, what he, what, that's generally where he's going with this. So let's, let's look at verse 16. Um, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So, what's the first command he gives us? Walk by the Spirit. Okay, walk by the Spirit. What's the good result? If we walk by the Spirit, what will be the good result in the second half of that verse? will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, so the two are at odds with each other, okay? If you're walking by the Spirit, you're not gratifying the desires of the flesh. Um, Let's not miss an important point here, um, that it's easy to kind of just kind of miss the forest for the trees. Um, When he says, walk by the Spirit, uh, it's a command, Okay? So basically, this means that it's possible for a Christian who actually has the Holy Spirit to not be walking by the Spirit, okay? He's telling people, you've got the Holy Spirit, now walk by the Spirit. That's not a given. It's not automatic. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you're gonna be walking by the Spirit. There are Christians, apparently, that are walking around gratifying the desires of the flesh, and not walking by the spirit so that's an important point we need we it's up to us to head in the right to head in those directions the spirit is moving that's part of what we're talking about here the spirit is moving us in a direction and it's possible for us to not be walking by the spirit even though we're Christians and have the Holy Spirit okay um, and we know we know there are people like that and hopefully it we're not one of them, but sometimes we probably are. Um, so it's, it's up to us to, um, to, uh, to, to chart the course with the Holy Spirit. Um, so, and th- the other corollary here is that, so throughout our day, we should expect to have to contend with natural human desires, all right? That should be an expectation, um, these are going to be there. They're not going to disappear because we've become a Christian. We are going to have to contend with the desires of the flesh day by day, okay? Um, as we seek to walk with the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, as he says here, um, we are going to have to contend with this thing that's pulling us to gratify the desires of the flesh. okay? So um, So we've got to keep that in mind as we go along. So that's what he says in verse 16. So verse 17, "For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh." For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, it's very interesting in Greek. Here's how it reads. It says, the human nature desires against the spirit. That's how it says it, literally. The human nature, our human nature, which is the flesh, our human nature desires against the spirit. It doesn't matter what it is. If the spirit wants it, the human nature says, no, I don't want that. I want something else. It desires. It's got this desire, this pull for anything other than what the spirit, that's our human natures, okay? And the spirit, so then it goes on in Greek, it says, and the spirit desires against the human nature, Okay, so the human nature is desiring against the spirit, what the spirit wants, and the spirit is desiring against what the human nature wants. So we need to realize that, that there's this warfare going on. There's this struggle going on. We feel it. Um, This clearly puts the battle in the arena of our desires. In fact, opposing desires within us that we actually feel day by day. I mean, we feel that, don't we? I mean, yeah, that's our, that's our, that's our warfare. And he says, this results in us not doing all that we intend to do. Good intentions don't always end up being what we do. Why? Because of this warfare right here. Okay. Um, He's, Paul is realistic, man. (laughs) I mean, this is, this is life, That's why I love the Bible. It's life. It's real. This is is our day-to-day life. Um, In other words, because of this battle of desires going going on within, good intentions don't always result in good actions. Okay? These verses are telling us that if we want our good intentions to prevail, to actually be what we do, we have to be intentional in fighting against human nature desires, and responding to the desires of the Spirit, because they're both pulling at us, all right? So, two key words, intentional and fight. If we do, we will begin to see our good intentions really being the way we walk and live. If we don't, we'll be one of the many who have good intentions that never get fulfilled. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's obvious here. Paul is not a let go and let God type of guy, you know? Uh, God's going to do it all. No, uh-uh. this is so clear and obvious. It's not just, I'm a Christian. God's going to smooth everything out in my life, and I'm not going to struggle with this stuff anymore. And no, I mean, this, he's saying right here, you're going to day by day have this fight of desires within you, and it's going to mean that many times you don't even do what you want to do. That's what Paul says, okay? Um, He doesn't say God is going to fight this battle for us. He says he's given us his spirit who lives in us. The spirit helps us desire the good things of God. He will even help us do the good things of God, but it's up to us to walk with that spirit, keep in step with that spirit, follow that spirit's lead to take direct steps in the direction the spirit is desiring working in our lives away from our human nature and desires. Okay, so, man, practical stuff here. Now, um, verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Now, that seems like an, why, why does he throw that in here? Paul is simply saying here that Living a life in accord with the desire of God is not about following a list of do's and don'ts, okay? Um, you see, we can be trying to live according to a list of laws which we don't want to follow, but know that we should. He said that's not, the, that's not the life that God wants for us. God has something better in mind for us. He wants us to work at the level of our desires so that we are consistently desire what he desires and do what is good because we want to, not because Allah a says we should, all right? Um, he wants to reverse the heart of Eve. When she desired the fruit and what had to offer, she let that overcome and set aside the good that God had for her. God wants us, when faced with the fruit and what it has to offer to consistently desire God and the good he has for us, overcoming and setting aside the desire for the fruit. This is what the Spirit is working in our lives. This is his goal. That's what he's working at, this personal coach. He's working at the level of our desires. He just doesn't want us to do good. He wants us to fight that battle of desires and put those desires of the flesh aside and really desire, not just do, but really desire the things that God desires. And we do it because we desire them. And those desires are so strong that it puts to death those other desires, okay? So that's what he's saying here. Um, <clears throat> so let me just stop here. Um, well, let, let's finish the works of the flesh. I'll, I'll ask for questions. Now, 19 to 21, so he lists them out. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Now, j- just, a, just a note here. He's, he's, talk, he's making a list from things that he says um, later on, um, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, or some translations say obvious. So he's using a list here that was obvious in their day and age. Some of these may not be true, may not be particularly things that we struggle with. We could make our list today. Um, so he says, The works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, So this is simply what he's saying here, that this is the direction, even though we're not into orgies and stuff, I hope You know, (laughs) Um, this is the direction that human nature wants to take us um, to nasty things like this, okay? And um, it may not be sorcery. Maybe you don't have trouble with sorcery, but man, sexual immorality, impurity, um, sensuality, um, enmity, yeah, we can all relate to those things. Um, strife, jealousy, um, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions—we can relate to those things. And this is the direction that the that the that the the flesh, our human natures, will take us if we let it. Okay, that's the direction. He's just painting a picture. If you want to know where that heads, that's where it's going. Right there. Okay. All right. Um, So, then, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is. Okay, now before we get to the fruit of the Spirit, any questions or comments up to this point? All right, but the fruit of the Spirit is, most of us don't, memorize the works of the flesh, okay? I, can't, I don't know anybody that's memorized the works of the flesh. And that's probably a good thing. But the fruit of the Spirit, a lot of us have memorized the fruit of the Spirit. And I, I commend it to you. Memorize these, it's good. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. All right? So now, these verses list the contrast. This is the direction that the Holy Spirit wants to take us. So this is where he's heading. The flesh is heading in the direction of verses 19 through 21. The Holy Spirit is leading us in the direction of verses 22 and 23. That's where he's going. So if we keep in step with the Spirit, this is where we'll end up. It's a cool place, okay? That's where he wants to get us, all right? Um, So, and again, he points out, this is not a law thing. It's a matter of intentionally listening to and cooperating with the Spirit in the direction he wants us to go. The goal of the Spirit is that we desire with all our hearts these things that he lists here. Love, that's why I say it's good to memorize these things. And desire it with all your heart. Um, just about every morning, I go through this list. I, That's what I want, God. That's what I want. I want these things. This is what I want. Because we we need to be heading in that. Our desires need to be in that direction. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. We need to be, those need to be the, the desires of our heart. And then it'll make it easier for us then to cooperate with the spirit as he seeks to lead us in that direction okay um and that's what he wants he doesn't want it to be a law well you got to love each other okay i guess so no he wants it to be a desire i really want to love each other i'm not very good at it god but i want to i want it with all my heart i'm not very good at self-control but i want to be self-controlled i want it with all my heart spirit do it you're my coach. Coach me in this. I'll, I'll do anything you need me to do. You want me to drag tires? I'll drag tires. But I want to. I want to get this stuff. Okay. So that's that's the kind of heart that the spirit of God wants us to have um, as we live with Him. Um, yeah. So that these the desire for these things is the driving force in our life. Okay. Um, And then he comes to verse 24. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So here, here, here he's saying, verse 24 if you truly belong to Christ, if it's not just a name thing or a religion thing or membership in a church thing, if you really belong to Jesus Christ, if your Christianity is not just some religious thing, there will be a radical change in your inner being, in what you desire, in what you despise. Paul uses a strong word here, crucify. That's a strong word, crucify. I mean, that's about the strongest word he could probably think of. This is how the one who is truly of Christ Treats those desires that would lead him away from God and his good. He crucifies him. He says, You are my enemy. I hate you. I hate you. I crucify you. You come up and you bother me every day, but I hate you with a deep hatred. I hate you. I want to kill you because I want love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self control. I want to be like Christ. Okay? Um. The, the true Christian is ruthless with these things. He condemns them in no uncertain terms. Doesn't coddle them. Doesn't treat, he treats them as enemies. Um, he doesn't give them a sometimes status in his life. Doesn't keep some around because he kind of likes this one, you know, this little desire. That's kind of a, good, that's kind of a cool one. It's not, too, it's not too bad. I'll just kind of keep that in my back pocket because I like it every once in a while. No. He says enemies, all of them, enemies. Um, so, we're not all there yet, but that's, that's Paul's painting the picture of where he wants, God wants us to be in our lives, okay? Um, so, here's some questions for us, application-wise at, at, for, for this. Are there some of these um, desires that need to be crucified? Where do we need to get Ruthless? Are there some desires that we give a sometimes status to? Are there desires that we still treat as pleasurable little friends that are counter to God and his good? So these are, there's some questions um, that are good to just, I don't know if from time to time you have kind of a personal um, spiritual inventory time. It's, it's a good practice, whether it's some people do it, you know, often, every day or something. Um, but once a month or once a quarter, you know, at least once a year, sit down and ask yourself some questions like this. Um, or if you've got accountability team or something like that, ask each other these kinds of questions. Are there some uh, some desires that I need? I'm putting up with. I need to crucify them. I need to get tough on these things. I need to get ruthless on them. Um, So, um, then, 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So he's saying, you want to live with the Spirit? Well, then keep in step with Him. What does that mean? That means the Spirit has, He's going, He's taking steps in this direction. If you want to live with Him, you better do what? Take steps in that direction. If you don't, he's going to leave you behind. You're, you're going to be back there. You're not going to be living with him anymore. He's going to, You're going to be way back there. He's going to be way up here. So he said, if you want to live with the Spirit, then keep in step with him. Keep in step. It's better to keep in step than let him get way out there, and then you're going, oh, man, now what do I do? I can't even see the guy anymore. Where is he? He's up and around the corner. He's over the hill. I don't know, know if I can even find him. <laughs> I've left him so far, he let him get so far ahead of me. I'm so far back here. No, he says, keep in step. Just keep in step. Just step by step, and he's leading you on. You know, that's what a person, a good personal coach, will do. That he'll take you in steps. You know, he'll take you in steps, and uh, just keep up with those steps. So, um, I want to. Um, I prepared for a. Actually, it was for a spiritual warfare course, but we talked about these these verses, because these are good spiritual warfare verses. I mean, you know, oftentimes we think of spiritual warfare as demons and all that kind of stuff, but I, I don't know. Some of you were with us in the spiritual warfare class, and we talked about some of this stuff. Um, so so I, I prepared this video for this. It's a seven-minute video, so that's maybe kind of long, I don't know, but I want you to take notes. I want you to, um, we're going to watch it, and then I'm going to ask for which, some of your takeaways, okay? Uh, do you know how to do it Joel did it did it uh, he said you might have put the password in <laughs> so any questions while he's while he's getting that set up there not a question but um, years ago in a community Bible study what they pointed out to us is it's one fruit the fruit of the spirit is one fruit not when you're walking with the Spirit, when you're desiring the things of the Spirit, you're not getting love, joy, peace, and that's it. You get the whole package. It's, yeah. like, it's it all or none. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that too. That's right, yep. And, and, and um, I, I know a lot of people point out that this, the centrality of love, that uh, you know, if, you, if, if, if love is really the central thing, a lot of these fall into place under the, under, the, under the category of love as well. But um, I don't know. I, I do find that um, um, it's helpful for me to think in terms of, of different ones. Um, like, you know, self-control, kindness. Um, sometimes I need, what I'm really needing is the self-control part of it. Other times what I really need is the kindness part. Um, So we have anger as a work of the flesh. And anger comes naturally. We all know that when when someone cuts us off in traffic, there it is, that desire of the flesh, a natural human feeling, desire, response, anger. And that shouldn't surprise us. Uh, Paul says, yep, that's the way we're wired as descendants of Adam. But what this passage is telling us is that when a natural human response like anger arises, we can do two things. We can let it roll and go with the flow, gratifying is, is the word Paul uses here. We can let it determine our response, what actions we will take, what feelings we will feel. Or we can we can do what? Well, let me ask you, um, where is the spirit? Heading in this situation. Somebody cuts you off, anger rises. Where is the Spirit heading? Where would He lead you? If you were walking in the steps of the Spirit, where would you end up? Why? I mean, this, this passage says it's obvious. We, we would end up in the opposite direction of anger. We'd, we'd end up in the fruit of the Spirit. Anger would rise up, yes, but if you walk by the Spirit, if you follow the Spirit's lead, if you keep in step with the Spirit, you'll end up at love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and last but not least, self-control. And if we don't follow the Spirit's lead, keep in step with the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, the natural will carry us in its flow And all that anger produces will be what characterizes our lives. Dark thoughts, dark feelings, dark words, darkness, unfitting those who are children of light. Well, this is obvious in this passage. I think it's obvious to you. It's obvious to me. But it doesn't seem to be obvious or at least clear to many Christians because most Christians I know are not working at fighting the flow of anger when someone cuts them off in traffic. They're not fighting. They're moving right along with it. They even talk about it in the chatting time before the small group Bible study. Someone starts out, oh, they you should have seen what happened to me on my way to work this morning, and then number two comes in and says, yeah, yeah, you know, the other day, and then a third guy chimes in, and the gist of the conversation is that there's a lot of idiot drivers out there that we ought to be angry at. And everyone's more angry <laughs> after the conversation than before, and everyone feels much more justified in their anger than before. Well, well that's dark. That's not good. Because, yeah, there, there may be a lot of idiot drivers out there, and I may be one of them, but the real point... According to Galatians 5 is that there are a lot of Christians who don't care if they're being carried along in the flow of the flesh rather than responding with the fruit of the Spirit. They're not fighting the warfare. They're not fighting. They're not fighting against their human desires. Rather, they're living by them, at least in this situation. Now, I've used anger at being caught off in traffic because... Man, I know most of us, if not all of us, can relate to this, and it happens to us, and it happens to me. But it applies as well to other anger situations. It applies to lust, greed, envy, you name it. Same stuff, same principles. And then finally, we must lean. We must lean towards the Spirit's coaching and moving, and in so doing, lean away from the natural desire or tendency. This idea of leaning uh, away and leaning towards, um, I found uh, the best way for me to picture what Paul is talking about here when he says, living by the spirit, keeping in step with the spirit. You see, when I feel that anger rise up when someone cuts me off in traffic, and I do, um, I can lean into it and let it carry me into its flow. It reminds me of when we used to throw sticks into a stream and you'd throw them in a lot of times they'd, they'd be in the side eddy there. Um, and, but they'd slowly move towards the center of the stream and the closer they got to the center of the stream, the faster the, the stream was moving and the more the stick would be pulled, pulled, pulled and pretty soon it was gone. It was zipping down, was zipping down. That's how it is with anger. If we lean into it, it will take us. It'll just take us down. Before we know it, we'll be down the stream. You can substitute lust. You can substitute envy, pride, any such things. It's the same. Or I can lean out of that flow and take steps in the direction the Spirit is moving, following His steps right out of that flow, right off the bank, right away from that river. And by the way, by the way, for me, Bible memorization is key. It's so important here. When the anger comes, because I've memorized the fruit of the Spirit, God's Word, the Spirit of God who wrote those words brings them to mind at that time, and I can lean into, step into them out of the flow of the anger, into the truths of that verse. I don't don't know how people can really successfully, day by day, defeat the, works of the, 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 the desires of the flesh without Bible memorization. And the spirit loves our leaning towards him out of that current of natural desires and responds with help and coaching. The spirit wants to use that very situation of being cut off in traffic to make you better. It doesn't have to make you worse and angry. This is the beautiful thing. The Spirit is there as that guy is cutting you off to coach you and train you. He wants to use that very situation to train you away from the works of the flesh and into the life of the fruit of the Spirit. Don't let, it, don't let that time be wasted. Every time you're cut off, it can be a coaching situation to get you better and better and better and better at defeating the desires of your human nature and living the fruit of the Spirit. Let it be that for you. Leaning into the Spirit's coaching. This is how to turn a defeating situation into a positive coaching situation of the Spirit. So there you go. Know, trust, lean, tips on how to fight the warfare against the flesh, our own natural desires. Okay, there you go. Takeaways. Bible memorization is key to fighting. Okay. Mm hmm. What else? What else hit you? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Which way? Yep. Yep. Yeah, good. What else? What else spoke to you or touched you or, or maybe you have a question about? good corollary good good insight there thank you what else anything else Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we we get this thing in our mind, well that's just who I am. Or that's just the way people are. Or what do you expect me to do? You know, when we say that, what we're saying is I don't I don't ma- want to make a choice. I don't see that there's a choice involved. You know, it's just the way things are. But that's not true. So now, you can take this what we learned and you can this is, this is the, the, the basics. Paul talks about the same things in Romans 6. He uses different terms. He uses terms like slavery, um, uh, uh, terms like obligation to the flesh or obligations to the spirit. Romans 8, he talks about the same thing. Um, Romans 12, 1 and 2, you can put into this grid. I mean, you, you look, when you, when, you, when you start to think about it, you're thinking, okay, Paul said the same thing in many different ways, okay? Um, it ties into John 15, when, when Jesus talks about the uh, uh, bearing fruit, abiding in Christ, and when he talks about abiding in Christ, he's talking about abiding in the word. He's talking about obedience. I mean, it's, it's just, right? You know, you wonder if Paul even had that in mind when he, when he wrote this. So, um, yeah. So let's just finish up quick. Um, <clears throat> I just want to say a word about the fruit of the Spirit um, as opposed to, look at the very end of your, very end of your paper there. Um, the gifts of the Spirit versus the fruit of the Spirit. This is helpful. Sometimes people get, it's, it's not a big deal, but the, the fruit is for all of us. So the gifts, each one has his or her own. So we can't say everybody's supposed to speak in tongues. But every Christian's supposed to have love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That's for everybody. So that's a difference. The fruit, their character traits are attitudes that are Christ-like. Okay? Um, the gifts are abilities to do some kind of work. They're abilities to do some kind of work. The gifts are pursued. I mean, the fruit, are, the fruit is pursued. We have to pursue the fruit. Like you said there, we have to desire it. This has to be a de- an intentional desire of our hearts. The gifts are received. The Holy Spirit just gives us a gift. I gave you a gift. I give you a gift. doesn't mean we don't have to, you know, nurture it and use it and everything. But the, the fruit is to be something where we pursue. We won't have them unless we pursue them. Um, and then the fruit is for all times. There's never a time when we're not supposed to have love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, or self control. It's for every moment of our lives. The, the, the gifts are used in ministry. There are times when I'm not teaching or preparing teaching. A lot of times, you know. Um, there's a time, there are a lot of times when the gifted preacher is not preaching. Um, but the, the fruit of the Spirit is every moment of every day. So those are just some, some differences there. Um, let's just go up just above there, just, just to comment, the fruit and the filling of the Spirit, okay? The filling of the Spirit, then, is um, picture, okay, you, you, you've got a house, the house has, has many rooms, I don't know how many rooms your house has. Suppose your house was filled with smoke, It was literally filled with smoke. Where would that smoke be? Every room. Be everywhere. Go into the bedroom, there it is. Go into the kitchen, there it is. Go and open the closet, there it is. Uh, You go in the basement, there it is. Um, The den, there it is. Um, And you smell it, you see it. Um, To be full of the Spirit, then, Paul uses that word intentionally. To be full of the Spirit is then to have every nook and cranny of our lives, every room of our lives filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the main influence in every room of our life is the Holy Spirit, whether are at work, whether we're at home, whether we're relaxing, whether we're cooking, whether we're hiking, whether we're um, dealing with our kids, whether we're... Well, whether we're sick, the Holy Spirit, in all those circumstances and places of our lives, he fills that space. He is the main influence. Just like you can't avoid seeing, smelling that smoke if you're in a house with the smoke being filled, filling the house, then if you're filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the main influence in every aspect of your life, and that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. That's what he says, and there's only one place in the Bible where, where Paul, where it's a command to be filled with the Spirit, and he compares it with being drunk. <laughs> he says, "Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit." It's kind of like, kind of similar, you know, kind of as as the, the 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 alcohol takes over your body and it and it and it uh, controls what you do and makes everything you do different. Um, so the Spirit is supposed to fill us, and so that's. That's the filling of the Spirit. And it goes along with what we just studied. Because if you're walking to be filled with the Spirit, then it's to be walking intentionally, deliberately, day by day, with lots of practice over your life, to be the kind of person where, indeed, the Holy Spirit is the main influence. When that guy cuts you off in traffic, he is the prevailing influence. Yeah, those other desires and everything are there to get angry, but the Holy Spirit... No, he is the main influence. And so anger comes up with you. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to go there. He wants me to love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. So that's where I'm going, man. That's where I'm going. That's being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not, you know, doing crazy things, speaking tongues or, you know, falling on the floor or anything like that, you know. I don't know what those people, maybe they are. Maybe they're filled with the Spirit. I don't know. I haven't been in their bodies to know (laughs) But that's, that's not the picture the Bible gives of being filled with the Spirit, okay? Um, and then, so if you go into Acts and you, t- you find places where it says, and they were filled with the Spirit, it's interesting, it'll say, they were filled with the Spirit and they did certain things. Like, like in Acts chapter four, when they were persecuted, they were being thrown into prison and threatened, they prayed, and the, it says, and the Holy Spirit filled them and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Well, that sounds to me like what happened in that situation is that the Holy Spirit, as they prayed, intentionally prayed in the direction of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit answered and took them in that direction. He was the main influence in that situation of persecution. They didn't pray that it would stop. They didn't pray, oh God, I'm so scared. Take me out of this. No, they, they prayed, God may... Jesus Christ be glorified. May we speak his word with boldness. And boom, that's exactly what happened. And so you see, the filling of the Spirit is, is this whole thing of living this kind of life in the Spirit. And that's what, that's what God wants, that's what he wants of us. So um, there you go. Last questions? I know I've asked you to do some takeaways and stuff, but let's just, like we've done, let's take just three, four four minutes and write down um, from this session a um, a takeaway or two, um, something that was meaningful, something you want to remember, something you want to pursue further, something you want to do, um, something like that as we close off here. Let me help you with these fill-ins, too. I, I, we, we went kind of quick through that because of time, but there's a, um, under the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, um, um, there's a definition you can fill in there. The fruit of the Spirit are Christ-like attitudes and character traits. That's what the, you know, you look at this love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit are Christ-like attitudes and character traits they are produced as the believer responds or leans into the Holy Spirit. Responds to or leans into the Holy Spirit. As we live that kind of life of leaning into the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, because we're leaning in the direction he wants to go, and we, and we found in that passage, that's where he wants to take us. Um, and resists... Leaning into the Holy Spirit and resists the pull of the old nature. Resists the pull of the old nature. And then below there, um, about being filled with the Spirit, there's a little fill in there too. To be filled with the Spirit is to cultivate, is to cultivate a life in which the Holy Spirit is the strong and main influence. So to be filled with the Spirit is to cultivate a life in which the Holy Spirit is the strong and main influence over every aspect of your life. It produces a life of much fruit that is Christ-likeness. And so we're back to the main purpose of the Holy Spirit to glorify Christ by creating him in us, the fruit of the Spirit. It all ties together. All right, there you go. Well, thank you, guys. Anybody want to share a, a word or something of um, before we quit, one of your takeaways? I mean, the original sin. That's what it is. They they gave into their human desires rather than trusting that God was giving them the very best life they could lead. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Thanks for making that connection. Good. Yeah. Anybody else? it's the is Right. to uh, thank you for that. That's I like that. I like the idea. It's an opportunity. It's not a, you know. Man, we got a we got an opportunity. To, uh, to do something amazing, you know? Sinners that were by nature children of wrath, and now we can do something good that honors God and helps people? That's an opportunity. Yes, that's cool. Yeah, good. Anybody else? Last one. Just to remember that we are in Yeah, the more we're occupied in those things, the less the less opportunity we have to be occupied with other stuff. Yep, good. All right, well, let's pray. And um, thanks, thanks you all for this time. And, um, you know, we could have, we, we missed one session because of the COVID deal, but we did pretty good. Um, we could have probably used another session and not rushed a couple things, but uh, I think everything important that, well, I wanted to cover what we covered, so thanks, you guys. Lord God, we thank you again. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Um, and as Roy said, that um, um, the, it's, it's, an, it's an honor, it's a privilege to be used by you uh, in, your, in your purposes and plans, because um, you could do it all so much better than, than we could. Um, so thank you. Uh, and, and just give us that desire that we want to be the kind of people that uh, just keep close to you. Don't let you get so far out ahead of us and away from us that we can't even see where you are. Help us to just keep in step moment by moment, day by day uh, with your spirit. And then um, may Christ be glorified as those good fruits just uh, uh, are manifest in our lives. So we thank you um, for this time in Jesus' name, amen.